Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, Crime Hunters. It's Judy here. Thank you so much for tuning in to Crime Man today. Can I just say a huge Gurumahagut to everyone who has recommended this podcast to a friend. That is kind of how we grow this community of Crimelanders and it just means so much. So thank you so much. I had a good few people get in touch with me this week to say they had a friend or family. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I remember recommended to them and that they're really enjoying it. And thank you as well to all the Crime Hunter OGs who have stuck with me throughout the pandemic when I was really, really struggling to catch grips with the remote podcasting. I'm not saying I'm a pro now, but there was a time when people were doing the podcast and saying things to me like, I'm done it. I'm actually going to be on a train when I'm doing the podcast. Is that okay? And I'd be like, it's absolutely fine. That's going to work. So thank you so much to all the OGs who have stuck with me through hairier episodes. I have, I'm actually salivating here. I have some unbelievable guests coming up for you in the next few weeks. I have recorded a few podcasts with people that I cannot believe I'm after managing to get them. They are so sound and so lovely to do the podcast with me. And I just can't wait for you to hear the episodes this week as a thank you to everyone who has recommended us to a friend, shared us on their socials, which is like a massive help, uh, rated or reviewed us on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. 
subscribed, anyone who's done any of the above or even all of the above. I have a special treat for you this week. I have an amazing guest today and I also have an amazing podcast for you on Friday. So you've got two in the space of, I'm doing the maths, is it 72 hours? No. Okay. I'm framing this as just a special offer, you know, just my gift to you, the listener. But anyone who has subscribed to the podcast or who follows Crimeland will know that I didn't manage to get a podcast episode out on Friday. Let me tell you why. I was in transit. I was staying in a hostel. I brought a microphone and a laptop to the hostel. Forgetting that hostels, they're not, okay, they don't lend themselves to a quiet, noiseless space where I can record my podcast intro. So Back in my 20s, I used to look at older people wandering around hostels thinking, what are they doing? I am that older creep now, except I'm also an older creep hanging around a hostel with a microphone. So, I mean, it did not win me any favours with the young people there, who, by the way, were all so lovely. Like, one girl gave me her toothpaste. I'm never going to say no to free toothpaste. So, Thank you to the young people, you know, for just being young and keeping my teeth clean. Um, So thank you so much. But I do have to laugh because I'm framing this as, oh, special treat, two episodes in a week. But obviously you didn't get the episode last week. So I'm actually just four days late with this with this episode. So it's a bit of a rebrand similar to um when to my favourite supermarket in the whole wide world, Garvey's Dingle the other day and there were donuts and I asked were the donuts on special offer p.s garvey's dingle is my favorite supermarket in the whole wide world love them there very nice young man who also reached for me well sorry reached for me sounds really bad no I asked him to reach for something and he reached for it he didn't like lurk he didn't like lunge at me um so if something was too high on the shelf asked him to reach for it he reached for it and no questions asked okay but anyways this lovely young man I asked him for the donuts and special offer and I just have to laugh I'm such a peak out one like if there's a special offer you're gonna know about it it's gonna be well advertised but I just wanted to find this out because usually you're buying donuts in bulk that's kind of how it goes with donuts so he said, yes, it's four for fiver. I said, unbelievable value, love me, a special offer. Bought the donuts, but then as I left, I saw that they were individually 125 each. So actually it wasn't a special offer, it was just basic maths. But look, what I'm saying is it's a rebrand. It's a rebrand, I'm rebranding this as special offer, two episodes in a week. Garvey's, love Garvey's, chef's kiss, if you want to spon- sponsor the podcast, I'll be all over it. They're rebranding four donuts as a special offer for a fiver. No, it's just the maths. Four by 125 is fiver. Doesn't matter. It's all about the rebrand. Today's special guest is absolutely amazeballs. Love him to bits. He's hilarious. He's very smart. He is a brilliant writer and a brilliant comedian. His name is Peter Flanagan. You can find him on all the socials. And he's just a great guest. I think you're in for a real treat today. Brilliant episode, thanks to my excellent guest, and I just think he is, he's going to be very, very big, Peter. He's going to be a very famous comedian. That's why I wanted to get him now, so I could just kind of rehash this episode when he's doing Live with the Apollo and Jimmy Kimmel and all the Jimmies. He's just one of those people, and I think you're going to really enjoy it. So without further ado, here's your episode.
Crimeland. My name is Julie J, and this week I'm talking to the absolutely brilliant Peter Flanagan about the massacre of Aramona. Peter, welcome. Nice to have a you know fun light topic of a Tuesday. The massacre of where? Aramona. So let me tell you, New Zealand. Have you been to New Zealand, Peter? Because you're a well-travelled man. I have been to New Zealand. Did you love it? I loved it, yeah. A long time ago now, but it was great. So I tell you, the massacre of Aramona, you might remember um, the massacre at Christchurch a couple of years ago. So that awful incident at the mosque. So that was the biggest mass killing in New Zealand history. But previous to that, the uh, biggest mass killing was this massacre at Aramona. And it was actually... I thought it was a really pertinent one to do right now because it was seminal in New Zealand changing their gun laws and it was obviously a horrific crime. So previous to that awful incident in Christchurch, this was kind of the reference point um, for mass shootings in New Zealand. So I'm going to dive right in, if that's okay. Absolutely. David Malcolm Gray was an unemployed resident of Aramona. So he was born in Dunedin. Do you know where you in Dunedin when you were in New Zealand? Passed by it, I think. Passed by it. Born in Dunedin. I don't think it's a place you stop and look around. <laughs> this is when Dunedin switches off. P.S. We love Dunedin. They're like my target demographic. But this, is, this where this, is this where the shooter comes from, Dunedin? Yes. So he's originally yeah, well, from there. Dunedin. There you go. We don't blame you, Dunedin, but facts are facts. Like he was from there. So he was born there, but he was raised in Port Chambers. He had a very ordinary childhood, like very run-of-the-mill, uh, nothing particularly stood out. Uh, he had a father, David Francis, who worked in a manufacturing company, and his mother, Mary Elizabeth, was a machinist. He had two siblings, a sister, Joan, and a brother, Barry. And actually, if I was a boy, I would have been called Barry, Peter. Really? Yes. I would have said, I would have said Barry. Do you know if you'd been a girl, did you ever have that conversation with your parents? Like, what would I have been called? I think I would have been put up for adoption. It was a very traditional sort of... Uh, Chinese communist uh, family, you know, so... Of course, no girls allowed. Because you have a sister already. I have two younger sisters, yes. Okay. Uh, Stephanie and Nicola. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, Stephanie, Nicola probably definitely would have been sent away, I imagine. Well, I tell you, because my mother recently told me my middle name would have been John. So Barry John BJ. Thank God they didn't go for that one. Anyway, so look, brother Barry, sister Joan... And David attended the local primary school. He then went to high school where he was kind of a middling student. A former classmate said the usual, which we always hear about when it comes to these um, cases. Would you say, Peter? quiet lad. Yes, exactly. I was going to say, would you say that this former classmate said, didn't see this coming, he was so gregarious? Or no, we're veering towards quiet. I'd say he was a grand quiet lad, utterly harmless. Exactly. Spot on. And you know, that is so, that's actually really similar to this exact quote, which was, there was nothing particularly frightening about him then. So he's just quiet, um, you know, didn't have many friends and he worked occasionally as a farmhand, but was largely unemployed for a few years before this incident. 
1978, his dad died and his mother died in 1985. And his sister, Joan, would say that the death of their mother really affected David because he was very close to his mom. And that's what made him move from Port Chambers to this kind of holiday home they had in this lovely seaside town of Aramona. So they're kind of middle class, are they? They've got a little holiday home. Yeah, well, do you know what was so interesting about this? It seemed to be like they referred to these little houses as cribs, which I was like, oh my God, that's quite MTV. But I think... Mm. They were kind of similar to, you know, like chalets, you know, like holiday chalets Ah, that people would have. Okay. Would you have had a holiday home, Peter? Uh, We do have a holiday home in Wexford, but it's like shared between a few different families. Okay. You know, there's there's shared ownership. Kind of a timeshare thing. No, it's like all the aunts and uncles all share between all shares, all the cousins. And does that work? Does that times. work, or does it lead to any family disputes? Because I imagine like everyone wants to go in August. Nobody wants the holiday home in Wexford in January. I'm thinking. I think Wexford is getting very close to its first mass shooting. It's getting <laughs> it's getting very tense. We're going to be doing a podcast about my family in about by the end of this summer, probably. On the plus side, that's going to be great for Crimeland, though. It will be good for Crimeland. I hope I survive. I hope I can be like a, a, a guest and I can talk you through it. Well, I was going to say, are you, I mean, I because I wouldn't think you'd be the shooter. You're not that kind of guy. No, I mean, I am, I am, I have been described as harmless. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I do have, I do have, I, I, and I also have access to firearms. I'm from Kildare, so like, I would put me down as a dark horse, but I'm probably not the favourite. I was going to say the Midlands now, you know, there's actually been a real... Um, there's I been really a really... resent Kildare being called the Midlands, just as a, a side note. Really? Um, yeah, I've always considered it greater Dublin area, but then when I talk to people from Dublin, they always say Midlands, and it, it hurts. I, well, I, I know what you mean, because I am technically from Kildare, okay? So just, you know, full disclosure here. So two Kildare people talking probably is like just a greater suburb of Dublin. I mean, you go to like maybe the likes of Offaly and Westmeath, and that's probably real Midlands vibes. Yeah. But I guess... I, for me, it's like Eden Derry on is Midlands. Yeah, there's a chill that goes down your spine, like a kind of a wet, a wet tip of a finger just running down your, <laughs> running down your spine when you cross Eden Derry, you know? <laughs> But I think that's what it actually says in the sign. It's like, welcome to Edenderry, twinned with a wet tip of your finger. Like that's, yes. that is it. Yes. We should mention that Edenderry is literally a stone's throw from the Kildare border. So yes, yes. It's it's, very... I, I, there's a sign outside my house. It's like Edenderry this way, abandon all hope. <laughs> like it's, it's one of those places that has just never recovered from the famine. You know what I mean? Like there it's are towns f- in Ireland that have just not, they just haven't bounced back. Listen, if we do hear of anything happening in Wexford at the end of the summer, Peter Flanagan will know all about it. Um, so David was a regular at the Galaxy Books and Records in Dunedin and Bill Brosnan, who was the owner of the shop, he knew him for seven years and said, do you want to guess what genre he always went for in terms of books and magazines? Oh, it's going to be creepy. It'll be like... Um, true crime, you know, maybe not true crime. Uh, I don't know if, uh, if I don't offend your uh, listenership, but like <laughs> detective, like detective fiction. Very close, yeah. Military, big fan of soldiers, okay. big fan of guns. So 
you're spot you're spot on so in january of that year david threatened an assistant of this bookshop with what appeared to be a shotgun in a cardboard box and he served him with a trespass notice in the following month so his sister said that he loved animals and the locals in aramona said that this was kind of a source of conflict between himself and his next door neighbor gary holden who's pets kept dying and I suppose David was accusing him of not looking after them properly. So similar to, um, you know, say Katie Price, I feel like there was a period of time there and like a lot of Katie's animals were dying and people were accusing her of just not giving them the best care. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's a lot of parallels here between this fellow and Katie Price. Well, I, that was I mean, my first thought. I'll always have a lot of love for Katie Price, by the way. Anyone who listened to Up to 90 would know that. But like, you know, I feel, you know, one horse dying per year. Okay, one horse dying per year, maybe. Two horses, that's just one horse too many, I feel, dying within a 12-month period. Yeah, yeah. I, I, as someone from Kildare, I've seen horses being mistreated. But even the most negligent uh, trainer uh, wouldn't wouldn't stand for two dead horses in a year. Unless you were like... Unless, like, maybe Katie Price is like a mob boss and like needs horses' heads to send around for her various enemies. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's maybe she has a sideline. Maybe she's not in the mob, but maybe she like. Will I make it? Will I make a terrible, terrible confession that I've never watched The Godfather? Yeah, would you know what? I've watched the first one and I haven't seen the following two. Peter, we've so much in common. So, okay, we're, yes, the pets kept dying. Now, let me tell you about this awful day. So this really was a very, very sad day for New Zealand history. Um, the massacre itself. So this massacre happened on the 13th of November at half past seven when David went to the next door neighbor, Gary Holden, to give out about one of Gary's daughters who had apparently walked onto his property. After this row, David went into his house. He got came out with an assault rifle. He walked outside and he shot Gary dead. Now, this was in front of three young girls. So Gary's two daughters, Chiquita and Jasmine, and his girlfriend's Julie's daughter, Rua. So the girls ran into Gary's house as David walked onto the property. He found, now this is just so terrible, he found Chiquita and he shot this little girl. So he shot her in her arm and her chest. And this girl, who was obviously seriously injured, ran to the nearby house of Julie Bryson. So she'd been shot twice, but was still able to run. Yeah, unbelievable. So she was shot in the chest and her arm. So she ran past, and she ran past her dad's body as well. So like this, I mean, it's just trauma upon trauma. So she ran off to try to get help. And David then said about, so this is all happening very quickly. It's like a really frenzied attack. He then set the house on fire. The neighbour, Julie Bryson, realised that Rua and Jasmine were still in the house. So she drove her van there with Chiquita in an attempt to save the girls. David shot at the van as it passed the house, which was now completely ablaze. So this is what kind of started, I suppose. This was the... This was the beginning of the massacre. So he then started 
shooting indiscriminately. So he started going around this small seaside town. He shot a utility vehicle full of locals who had seen this house burning and they had stopped to help. He first shot Vanessa Percy as she ran down the street. Then he killed two young boys, Leo Wilson and Dion Percy. So this guy is just literally roaming the streets now with an assault rifle in this quiet seaside town. The boy's sister, Stacy, received, so Leo, so Leo Wilson and Dion Percy, the boy's sister then, Stacy, received severe wounds to her abdomen, abdomen, I can't say the word, can you say abdomen? I feel so much uh, performance anxiety now. Uh, abdomen, abdomen. It's hard abdomen. to say. Yeah. Will we just say yeah. stomach? Let's say stomach. Let's Belly. say stomach. So this poor little girl was also shot. Ross Percy then, who was the children's father, he had been driving them home after a day of fishing. That He saw the fire and he was then killed, followed by Aleki Tally, who had also been with them fishing that day. David then entered the home. So he's now breaking into homes. He entered into the home of Tim Jameson, killing him and another elderly local farmer. This guy was a former Green Island mayor called Vic Crimp. So the next victim then was James Dixon. So he had gone off looking for his dog. And what really, I just, what I mean, so many tragic moments in the story, but I don't know why I found this particularly sad. The name of the dog is Patch. Patch didn't make it. I think Patch emerged unscathed because he, he didn't actually kill any animals in this massacre. Oh, of course. He, he's, a, he's, a, he's an animal lover. He's an animal you've lover. Probably, you've probably touched on this in previous podcasts, but psychopaths often are animal lovers isn't that right you know for whatever reason they often relate to uh dogs animals uh, in general and even even babies they can be quite fond of babies really? so i guess do they relate to the innocence or something i don't know um uh, but then uh, have like contempt for humans that is like i mean adult humans because i guess babies were saying are human on some level on some level, you, you could argue. But that is very interesting. You know a lot about psychopaths, Peter Flanagan. You mm. could be one to watch. I, I mean, I guess Hitler would be a great example, but I suppose it is that thing of that they can relate to animals better than, than they can relate to people. I mean, it was definitely yeah. true for this guy. So Patch probably emerges unscathed, let's face it. But Helen Dixon, James's mother, and neighbor Chris Cole, they go out into the road to see like what all this crazy commotion is. David, of course, shoots at both of them. Uh, he wounds Chris and then he forces Helen to drive for cover. So Helen, he forces her into the car and he makes her drive. She'd so this is now, he's made this woman his kind of getaway vehicle, his getaway driver. Yeah, so he's, I mean, what do you do in that situation? He's armed with an assault rival. You're going to give the man a lift. Like, you're not yeah. going to say, she, like, this poor woman was actually just after a hip replacement. So she mm. couldn't even walk without assistance. And she pulls herself along her stomach using her arms and feet, feet to kind of get inside and phone for help. So he insists that he, like, she, he's like, give me a lift. She kind of gets away from him. Um, she manages to crawl away, get inside the house and phone for help. And then she very bravely crawls back out to Chris. So David now has kind of meandered on and she goes back out to Chris and says, look, help is coming. So like incredible bravery from this woman. I mean, especially after a hip replacement and she couldn't even really walk. Yeah, it's amazing. So after waiting for so some... Chris was her husband, is that right? Oh, sorry. So Chris was a neighbour. 
Okay, so she's she's crawled back out to comfort her neighbour. Which is, like, says a lot, because I don't know what I do for my neighbours. Yeah, yeah, there'll be members of my family who are a bit like, I think I'll just stay in this crawl space, <laughs> you know? I think I'll just, well, it's all getting a bit hairy out there. I'm just saying right now, inside. I would definitely be such a wimp in this situation. Hmm. Mm, I agree. I not not necessarily in your case, but for me, I think I would really uh, not rise to the occasion. I oh, think. Peter, I, I think you would. I mean, you probably. No. I imagine you probably wouldn't. You know, you wouldn't risk your life for a neighbor in London, but maybe a neighbor at home in Kildare, you might. Yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe. Yeah, yeah, Perhaps. yeah. Or I might like use like a horse as a human shield, because <laughs> uh, you know, as we've established earlier, they're just worthless. Well, they're like kangaroos. I mean, horses in Kildare are like kangaroos in Australia. Yeah. They're essentially yeah. vermin. They're vermin. There's too many. I, I agree. I couldn't agree more. So after waiting for some time, Helen again, so she has gone out to Chris. She crawls back to her house and she phones 111, which if you're listening to this podcast and you're in New Zealand and it's an emergency, it's 111. It's not 999. It's not 911. It's 111. So just remember that. Um, I do remember I lived with um, some lovely lads from Monaghan in Australia back in the day. And I can remember them ringing the operator asking for the number for 999. Bless them. So 111, if we're over that side of the world. Um, By this stage, it was, of course, getting dark because it's late evening now. And the 111 dispatcher told her to stay inside. She would later receive a George Medal for bravery, which I think we'd all agree well-deserved. But George Medal? Is that like King George or something? I presume. I mean, surely something to do with the Empire, I'd imagine. Like, I don't think... I mean, I don't think it was like a George Michael Medal for bravery. Like... Mm. Love him, but probably King George. I'd say you're right, yeah. Peter. Sadly, yeah. Chris, the neighbour, he actually died. Um, the first police officer then to arrive was Sergeant Stuart Guthrie. And he was kind of the officer in charge. And then uh, I suppose the AOS, which was the armed offender squad, landed down, of course, as well. Um, then there was another um, policeman, Constable Russell Anderson, who uh, he had arrived earlier. Uh, Sergeant Stuart Guthrie then landed down and along with the help of Constable Russell Anderson, so the two, basically, this is incredibly brave, uh, with darkness approaching, the two of them then moved towards David's house. One policeman went to the back of the house, the other one goes to the front and they kind of cordoned off, obviously, the building. And he then, so Guthrie, Stuart Guthrie, who was the sergeant, he watched David and he was kind of relaying his movements inside the house to police headquarters. But unfortunately, he then lost sight of David in the house and he warned everyone to be on the alert. Anderson, who was the other um, cop here, Russell Anderson, then spotted David coming out the front of the property and he issued a challenge at which David retreated straight away, passing through the back of his property. Taking cover in the sand dunes of a neighbouring house, David then he was kind of coming out of darkness and Guthrie, who again was the policeman who encountered him, yelled at him to surrender. He fired a warning shot and David shouted, don't shoot. Now, if you were a policeman and somebody said, don't shoot, what would you kind of presume in that moment? 
that they're not armed. Yeah, that they're like kind of surrendering, which I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's what this this poor man made that presumption. However, David then suddenly fired several times, one shot striking Guthrie. So Stuart Guthrie was shot in the head and he was killed instantly. So the oh my poor God. Desperate. So he, yeah. it was a, rather than rather than shooting David, he gave him a chance, and then David immediately turned the gun on him. Isn't it all like really callous? Like I mean, it's all callous and it's all awful. But like, also, I think in that moment, like it's very sinister to give someone the impression that you're surrounding. Yeah, well, and, it's very calculated, isn't it? Yeah, because you know you could. I mean, this obviously wouldn't be a justification, but you could say, okay, this person has lost it. They've gone spare. They've had some, they're having a psychotic moment. They've lost control. Uh, they've, they have some s- serious mental health issue and they've completely lost control of themselves. But a little moment like that suggests, uh, a, 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 at a minimum, a dreadful cynicism and uh, a calculation, right? That is, you know, Peter, you speak so well on this. I'm just sitting here saying, oh my God, yes. That is, I I love that word cynicism is such an apt word to describe that. That is so brilliant. I think you're spot on. I think it is. It just speaks of his mindset in that moment. And as you say, it's just incredibly calculating. So needless to say, of course, now that this policeman is dead, like this has just upped the ante again. So again, you know, quiet seaside town, like obviously mostly local police in dealing with this. We have the AOS. But at that moment, then they authorised, um, the commissioner of police authorised the special tactics group to enter the equation. So they were like this special counter-terrorist unit. They came to, obviously they came to this area. They went straight for David's house and they passed, like the scene must have been insane, like, like something out of a horror film because they are literally passing multiple bodies on the street. And after clearing neighboring houses, they then put a stone grenade into David's house. They blew out all the windows and then they followed this up with tear gas. They kicked down the door and they discovered the house is empty. Okay, so the the house is empty. But then what is really weird now, so this, by the way, is like the following day at this point. So this uh, has been going on for um, nearly 24 hours at this stage. There's been this standoff in the house. So they go in and the really weird part of the story is they look over in the house, they can't find David anywhere. But then a few minutes later, David runs out of the house. So they've checked the house. They're pretty sure it's all clear he's not in there. But then a few minutes later, he runs out of the house. He's just shooting indiscriminately and shouting, kill me, fucking kill me. He took several steps. And then, of course, he gets shot because he's saying, kill me, fucking kill me. And their response, of course, is to shoot him because he's shooting indiscriminately. He's shot five times in the eye, neck, chest and twice in the groin. Even with these injuries, now this is real Rasputin stuff. So even with these injuries, he still struggled against the police. Now, he broke free of the handcuffs before being re-handcuffed. But what I don't understand in this story is they said that the first set of handcuffs were plastic. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a cop, Peter, but like, what? have you ever encountered plastic handcuffs in your life? Um, I have not. I, I mean, I didn't, 
thought they were just like a, you know, I didn't think there was something that would actually be in a police cupboard. Like maybe for was, the laugh. Was one of the uh, coppers on the way home from like a sex shop. I was, was like, going to say, yeah. Was rooting around for his equipment. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> maybe no one will notice, you know. Yeah, I think it was definitely like as in they, he just went fishing in the bag and as you say, accidentally pulled out the handcuffs for his own personal use, not the yeah, actual handcuffs. Like either, either I try and tie him up with this like edible underwear or it's the <laughs> plastic handcuffs. So instead of the chocolate knickers, he was like, look, we'll try the plastic handcuffs. Did not work with this guy. So he had to be re-handcuffed, of course. And then he started giving out to the police for not having killed him. So he was giving them shit for not having killed him because he wanted to die. Like, this has been nearly 24 hours of a police standoff and he he wanted to die, essentially. Um, Ambulance officers arrived. They treated him at the scene, but he died where he fell. So on the scene at 10 past six. So less than an hour after he came rampaging out of the house, he died at the scene. So in terms of the casualties, Peter, the um, very sad list, and a lot of them very young, Rua Bryson, who was only 11 and was a friend of Jasmine, who, of course, um, her dad had been the first to die. So uh, we have Rua Bryson, who was only 11 years of age, Chris Cole, who was 62, uh, Vic Crimp, who was 71. I love the New Zealand names, by the way, as well. They're great, aren't they? Um, yeah, real new world stuff. Jim Dixon, who was 45. Um, Stu Guthrie, who of course was the police officer, was only 41. And then we had Gary uh, Holden, who of course was the first casualty. He was 38. Jasmine, Gary's daughter, also 11 died. Tim Jameson was 69. Ross Percy was 42. Vanessa Percy was 26. Uh, Dion Percy was only six years of age. Oh my God. Uh, horrendous. Uh, Leah Wilson was also only six years of age. Aliki Tally was 41. And three days after this whole incident, this house where David was residing was deliberately set on fire and burned to the ground. The fire brigade attended and they kind of obviously didn't want the fire to spread. But David's family asked that any investigation of arson be stopped when contacted by police. The massacre was up to that horrendous massacre in Christchurch, the most deadly criminal shooting rampage in New Zealand's history. It sparked lengthy debate about gun control as obviously his weapon was this assault rifle. And it it, it, it indirectly resulted in an amendment to New Zealand's firearms regulations in 1992, tightening gun control. Um, and then obviously many of the officers received awards. Sergeant Guthrie receiving a po- now posthumous, 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 is that how we say it, Peter? Oh, good. I don't know if I've ever said it out loud. Let's say posthumous. Posthumous, I think sounds good. George Cross. So again, we're presuming something to do with the empire there. And then a memorial to the victims was erected. And it's still, of course, there in this township of Aramona. On the 30-year anniversary, police commissioner Andrew Costers acknowledged that, quote, lives lost and the lives changed forever. He also went on to say that today, the grief of those who knew those who died is felt as keeny as it was all those years ago and that is the horrendous story of the massacre at aramona absolutely appalling isn't it awful how many died 13 people killed wow 
and just so indiscriminate. I mean, you yeah. know, really, really horrendous stuff. They, this, is, I think, a similar. I don't know the details, but a similar event happened in Australia, right? And that's when Australia decided to recall a lot of the firearms in the country and, and radically change their uh, yeah. their gun ownership laws. I'm not right? sure. Maybe, yeah. I'd imagine they're probably. Mm. I mean, invariably, I think you know the reactions. I suppose the United States is unique in that sense. Of course, they have way more of these instances, but also, I guess you look at New Zealand and immediately those changes to the law were made. I know mm-hmm. it's a little bit more complicated in the United States because people really cling to this, you know. Well, Australia and New Zealand are more cohesive societies, aren't they? You, you, yeah. Uh, you can get a consensus a lot uh, easier than you can in a, in a country that can't seem to agree on anything anymore. It's just crazy. I mean, and do you know what? Like, I guess that bloody constitution really complicates things. You know, I know we we have a constitution that complicates things as well, but theirs like really does in terms of the ramifications. So it just makes it all that more harder. But it was, I just thought this was such a crazy story and to my shame, I wasn't familiar with it. And it was just like such an awful crime. Yeah, it's dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. The similar thing in uh, Scotland, um, there was a mass shooting. A guy went in to blame an assault writer. Yeah, and that's yeah. what changed the gun laws in in the UK. I always, I I always think of um the fantastic uh, tennis player. What's his name? Andy, Scottish tennis player from Dunblane. Uh yeah, I know who you're talking about Andy something. And you know, whenever he has a bit of a face on him, I always think, but he's from Dunblane. I mean. Can you blame him for being pissed off that he didn't win the match? What's yeah, his name? Yeah. Andy Watt. Um, Only we had access to information at our web fingertips. Andy, Andy Murray. Murray. Andy yeah. Murray. But I mean, Andy. that was—I mean, that was one that really shook me as as a child as well. That was just such a, a sad one. Peter, thank you so much. You're just so smart, so funny, so brilliant. I do think you're going to be massive. I have that feeling. Oh. That's very kind, Julie. Right oh, back at you. You're doing great. You're tell me you, if we want to find you. You are uh, at Peter Flanagan Comedy on Instagram. Uh, I put up videos there every week. I put up links to my newspaper articles, and Twitter is at Peter Flanagan. And can I just say you're such a brilliant writer as well. So you can check out um, Peter's columns uh, at his Instagram, Twitter, and then you have your comedy bits and all that as well. Can I just say, Peter? Can we just give ourselves a pat on the back here? Because we have managed to get through this podcast without mentioning that we both went to... Trinity College Dublin. You see, look at us subverting stereotypes. We didn't have to mention it. I know. Well, I actually, I was on uh, Tom O'Mahony's podcast uh, recently. And one of the prerequisites for me to do the podcast was that at some point he would have to ask me about Trinity, but make it seem like it came up naturally um so i try anytime i'm on a podcast i try and try and get it in there to be fair to tom like his podcasts are very scripted yeah 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 it's a bit it's a bit i feel crimeland is much more organic would you agree yeah yeah i felt that i felt that you're just shooting shooting from the hip Peter, you're so brilliant and I really appreciate you coming on and I can't wait now to rehash this episode when you're very, very famous because, I mean, you're, you're kind of famous, don't get me wrong, but when you're like very famous. When I'm huge, Julie, we'll, we won't speak. 
when people call you the Andy Murray of comedy, that's when I'm going to rehash this episode. Peter, it's been an absolute <laughs> pleasure. Thank you so much. Ciao. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye-bye-bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.